America has had school shootings since 1764. And I want to throw out some ideas about how to reduce the number of school shootings in this episode of the Anti-Woke Podcast. I want to play a little clip here of Elizabeth Brunig on the Left, Right, and Center podcast. She's one of my favorite people to listen to lately. And she uh, she has some little kids, and she has been made very upset by the school shooting in Texas. Which include lots of details. I've interviewed rape victims, child rape victims. I've interviewed FBI agents who specialize in child sexual violence. But I have found myself unable to... Uh, pursue details uh, about the news. For instance, the fact that the shooter was apparently barricaded into a single classroom and all the children were killed in the single classroom means there was a last child. And then we have the Harden the Targets uh, brigade, which is, uh, you know, limited to one door, uh, you know, add armed security, arm the teachers, potentially, that kind of thing you're hearing out of Ted Cruz and so forth, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Um, you know, again, uh, that you, you've got a very low trust society and it, it's ridiculous to behave as though you're not losing something profound when you agree to turn a kindergarten into a prison with armed guards you, you're admitting that yes, we have to, we have to, we have to surround our kindergartens with armed guards to keep all the killers out. Our society has a problem. We have all these people we produce that want to murder all the children and have the means to do it. What the hell? That's a that's a nightmarish wasteland. What is going on in this society? It's not just a question of. Why do these people have the means to commit these mass murders readily available to them? That's a good question. Why should an 18-year-old be able to go purchase a couple of ARs? Why? What do you need those for? What the hell do you plan to do with that? That's a reasonable question. If I try to go buy, uh, whatever, 4,500 pounds of fertilizer, guess what? The government's going to ask me what I plan to do with that. I have to either produce some kind of evidence that I'm actually an industrial farmer or they're going to say, no, thanks, no way. And by the way, what do you think you're doing? You know what? I have the same question about an 18-year-old buying a couple of ARs. Okay, so prove to me you've got a feral hog problem or something like that or get the hell out of here. So I think that's how a significant number of Americans are feeling after this school shooting. But uh, I want to talk about solutions, possible solutions. And it's like, you know, Congress can never act. They can never do anything. And so that's true. So I'm not going to look for solutions that can't happen. I'm going to try and look for solutions that are possible. So one thing that might be able to help are so-called red flag laws. And they're done at the state level, so you don't need you don't need Congress to get off their ass. And I think some states have them. I think one of the things is a judge rules you dangerous. And so... You know, if you go to buy a gun on the background check, it'll say you can't buy a gun. You know, I don't know how useful that is. Getting a judge, you know, if you can get some crazy person in front of a judge and the judge rules on them, I mean, that's that's a lot of work. That's too much work. You can't be doing it to all the crazy people, all the crazy 18-year-olds in particular. But I think New York has a law. Now, of course, the, the Buffalo shooting was in New York, and I think the law was triggered, and it didn't work. But I'm not. don't quote me on that, but... I think their law is that 
maybe like just a cop, just a cop can give you a red flag. And, you know, this is not take away your, in quotes, constitutional right to own a gun. But I think what it does is that when they do a background check on you, there's a little red flag on there, but they can still sell you the gun. But so, so it's up to the, it's up to the gun shop or whoever. They're like, oh, this person has been flagged before. I can still sell the gun to them if I want. And so basically, there's just there's various ways you can configure so-called red flag laws, and maybe one of them would be helpful. I mean, right, let's let's look at the last two shootings. So it should have stopped the guy in New York, but it didn't. And then it would not have stopped the guy in Texas because he had a clean record. And also, I think sometimes red flag laws are used in cases of domestic violence where you commit or, you know, you get convicted of domestic violence, which is a lot. A lot of people get convicted of that stuff. And then you're not allowed to buy a gun. And I think the police are even authorized to go to your house and take away all your guns. And then, I mean, that doesn't that doesn't always go well. People don't like when people come to take away their guns, especially crazy violent people. But anyways, I think I think that's another form of. Red flag laws. Another one is raising the age that you can buy a gun. I mean, people keep saying rifle. Anyways, just a, I think just a gun. Anyways, you can't buy a gun generally until you're 18 in most states. Um, you could raise that to 21, for instance. And so the Buffalo and the Texas shooting, those guys are both 18. So they wouldn't able to buy the guns the way they did. At the place they, you know, they would have had to steal them or do something. They would have had to find a friend or steal it from their parents or whatever. So, you know, it might have stopped. It might have stopped both of those if you just raise the limit to 21. I think mass shooters are typically like 18 to 24, but, you know, so 21, that would, that would cut half of them off right there. Another thing is maybe you could restrict the sale of body armor. Like, you know, maybe the Constitution says everyone can buy all the guns they want. But the Constitution doesn't say, oh, you can have all the body armor you want. So I don't think it would have played a role in the Texas one. But the New York one, I believe there was a security guard, right? He went to that, I guess I guess he went to a grocery store in the ghetto, to put it plainly. And that store had a security guard with a gun. And that guy shot the, shoot, shot the killer. But it didn't work because the killer had body armor on. And then the killer killed the security guard while he was killing a bunch of other people. So, restricting the sale of body armor, you know? I mean, you can't go back and take away everyone's body armor, but, you know, you could start now. And if you start now, the people who are turning 18 next year won't have body armor. Maybe, And maybe the security guard can kill them with one shot at the beginning. And so, another thing I heard was that 80% of school shooters have been bullied. You know, people are like, what can the schools do? You know, they, they, want, they want the schools to do something. They want the schools to change to prevent this stuff. And they're talking about like, oh, you hire a, whatever, armed security, or you lock all your doors, or whatever. But maybe what schools really need to do is they need to stop bullying. Like, I was bullied. I did a podcast, I think, look for the word bully in the title. Um, whatever, I was bullied, and the school didn't do shit. And it didn't make me want to grab a gun and shoot up the whole school. But on the other hand, I never even heard of that as an option. I was definitely pissed off at the school for them let, for them letting me be bullied because yeah we had you know well my family i guess my mom my mom talked to the school and the school's like oh okay and then they didn't they continued to not do shit so and it's tricky and i don't have all the answers cuz you know what do you do with bullies i mean you know like what i what i would like to say is you just kick them out of school boom can't come back 
But for instance, when I was bullied, that was ninth grade, and it was three kids doing it. So are you going to just kick three kids out of high school, period? There you go. Go get a job. But like I said, maybe you can't go that extreme, but I'll tell you what you can do. You can do more than nothing, which I think is what a lot of schools across America are doing when it comes to bullying, and then whatever. There you go. It's leading to some of these shootings, possibly. And let's mention race on this subject, because that's, that's what happens. That's kind of what's been going on, is that black kids have been, you know, getting suspensions, in-school suspensions, expelled, kicked out of school at a much higher rate than, you know, white kids. And because of systemic institutions of structures, you know, now it's like, you can't kick kids out. You know, and the fact that it's, you know, like, violent black boys in high school who are being violent to black girls in high school, that doesn't matter. You know, it's like, yeah, black, that black girl, she can get effed. Uh, we got we to gotta protect that black boy. I mean, that's an extreme example, although I think it would be, you know, that's, that's somewhat a relevant example. And of course, white boys are doing bad stuff to white boys and girls, etc. It's pretty much all boys that are bad, I think. Actually, girls do bullying, but then the girls don't go shooting. So I guess girl bullies, girl bullies can stay in school. They're fine. Hmm, I guess so a boy can bully a girl, and that's fine because that won't lead to a mass shooting. But if you bully a boy, then you are creating a sh- possibly creating a shooter. Anyways, taking bullying seriously... That's one possible solution. And I'm not sure if the New York or the Texas one would have were bullied and that was why they did it, but I think I think maybe the one was, the other one we don't know. So the next one is gun buybacks. Uh this is one that people don't talk about and I thought that it was ridiculous, but in fact I thought about it a bit more and I think I think this might be this might be the one you start hearing about a lot more in the future. Let's go over the history of gun buybacks a little bit first. Um, So the famous one is Australia. Australia had a mass shooting, I think, in the 90s. Maybe like 25 people killed at a restaurant, something like that. And Australia is more... Whatever. They're they're not as crazy. They they, they don't love their guns. They don't sleep with their guns under their pillow quite the way Americans do. And so America decided, you know what? That one mass shooting is one too many... And so they created a gun buyback program, but they forced you to sell your gun also. And so that's not happening in America. The Supreme Court, the Constitution, whatever. Anyways, you cannot force Americans to give up their guns. That just ain't happening. But that doesn't mean you can't have gun buybacks. There's nothing unconstitutional about that. I mean, currently... That we have, you know, America has gun buybacks occasionally. It's usually like a city, like, you know, maybe the... The police department in Chicago will set up a day where it's like, you know, bring in any gun and we'll give you 50 bucks for it. And, you know, in a city of 5 million or whatever, like, 50 guns will be brought in. It'll be a bunch of old, rusty, broken ones that are worth less than $50. But since America has been spending so much, and we just sent $40 billion to uh, Ukraine, we just gave out, I think, six trillion dollars because of covid you know so i want i want to i want to go back and take a look at this not not paying people you know fifty dollars which is way less than a gun is worth but what if you paid people the real value of a gun and so i looked that up i think uh most websites are saying like guns cost about five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars 
And I would say that's right. I think it, it really goes probably from about 200 for the cheapest gun to about two grand for, I mean, the most expensive gun in the world is probably a million dollars. But, you know, you know, 99% of guns, well, let's say 90% of guns are in the 200 to $2,000 range. I mean, that would be my guesstimate. So 200 to 2,000, that's too difficult. Let's just say guns cost $1,000 each. Well, America currently has 400 million guns, just a, a little bit more than one gun per person. There's 330 million people in America. So 400 million guns at an average of $1,000 a piece, that's $400 billion. So that's 10 times more than we just sent to Ukraine, but also it's almost 10 times less than the amount we spent on COVID. And so, you know, I don't, you know, I mean, I guess once again, we're getting into Congress or what our states can do it. I guess states would have to do it. But uh, there's no law against the government buying your gun, you know, and, you know, as long as they're not forcing you to sell it. And like, I got guns. Uh, in particular, I got a bunch of 22 rifles. I'm not sure how much those go for right now, but it used to be, you know, back in the day, if you looked hard, every once in a while, you get like, you get a 22 rifle for like, 50 to 100 bucks and so anytime i saw a 22 rifle that was in good condition for under 100 bucks i bought it and now i got i don't know four of them or something and one of them has sentimental family value because it's been in the family for a long time so i wouldn't really want to sell that i mean whatever it's it's not a good it's not a good gun for a, a mass shooting either and then i'd like to have one good 22 rifle just that actually works that you could take out for target shooting and then if the government wanted to give me, say, 200 bucks a pop for my other two, they could have them. Yeah, so if people are serious about, if, you know, <laughs> if the Democrats are serious, they're not serious about anything. They just want, they want people to be afraid so that you vote Democrat. I mean, even though I am a Democrat, but I'm starting to get pissed off at them. But like Joe Biden is talking about wiping away, I don't know what it is, $2 trillion worth of uh, student debt. Right, and he doesn't need Congress to get that done. Uh, I think he could do something where it's like, hey, let's let's do a serious bunch of gun buybacks. And okay, it's an interesting subject. You could get, you could really get into it. Like, you know, would this stop someone from committing suicide? Like, if you're if you're depressed, would you sell your gun so that you had more money, and then go, oh damn it, I want that gun back so I can c commit suicide? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it would do. Or if you're a criminal, like you know, criminals need money. Like, would you sell the gun so you don't have to rob the liquor store and then? Oh shoot! I don't have the gun. I can't rob the liquor store, and it wouldn't have stopped. It wouldn't have shot, stopped the Buffalo or the New York. Uh, sorry, the New York or the Texas shootings. Those guys like went out and got guns specifically for that purpose. But it would reduce people who steal guns from like their parents and take those out and shoot people. So, anyways, it's something to consider. Something that could be done to be considered. And I should add. Uh, so the clip earlier, she's like, "Why the hell does?" Anyone need two AR-15s? I think Biden said the same thing. But the answer is, like, you know, I got a bunch of guns, and I use them all for one same reason, and that's target practice. It's a hobby of mine to go to the quarry and shoot my guns and see if I can hit the targets that I bring. And so you may or may not think that's a legitimate reason to own a gun, but it means that every gun, every gun is useful for target practice. And so let's also talk about the stats in general on mass school shootings. So there's like, I think there was 27 school shootings this past year. But most of those are like a couple gangbangers 
shoot it out at you know after a basketball high school basketball game or something and if someone dies it's just one of the people and so for mass school shootings like where someone goes to the school to kill a bunch of people uh there has been 13 of them in the past 60 years and 146 people have died total from them and then half of those take place at colleges so it really you know the thing where you go in and kill a bunch of kids, those are the most famous. They're actually quite rare. But I think they're also, they're more, you know, in the last 60 years, most of those have happened in the last 10 years. Like basically Columbine and Sandy Hook happened. And then now all the crazy MFers in America are like, oh, hey, that's something I could do. But so even though they are getting more common, uh, just mass shootings in general, they kill less than 1% of the people who get killed by guns. So they're crazy, and the media covers them. But you know, what you know, uh, basically every day, twenty people get shot by guns. You know that equals the amount of the kids that were killed in that classroom. And, you know, and the media could try and get you to care about those twenty people every day, and then every single day, like you got to care about this. You know, here's the twenty you care about today, and then the next day, here's the twenty you care about on this day. Anyway, so, you know, just whatever. Some things are horrible and people care about them, but in fact, the number of people dying is whatever. It's, it's, it's more than 100 times as many other people dying. Well, I'll kind of leave that at that. But I was looking at the list of school shootings, and so I'll just throw this in because this is insane. There's something called the Enoch Brown School Massacre, and it happened in 1764, and so that was the first one. And so there's this thing in psychology... But I don't know if there's a name for it, but it's where you care about one person being killed more than you care about a million people. You can kind of imagine, like, if you're telling someone a story, you know, you're writing a story in your newspaper, it's like, six-year-old girl is killed in a car accident. And the reader's like, oh my god, that's terrible. And then, you know, maybe the story could be, a six-year-old girl and her eight-year-old brother were killed in a car accident. And you're like, that is, that is bad, that's bad. And then, you know, you get to the story that says, uh, a family of four was killed in a car accident. You're like, well, you know, I, I oppose families of four getting killed in a car accident, but yeah, whatever, that's what happens in car accidents. And then finally, you write an article that says, 10,000 Americans a year are killed in car accidents. And you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't care at all. I'm moving on to the next article. All right, so this podcast is going to be jumping around from subject to subject, but, uh, Camille Foster on the Fifth Column podcast, apparently he did turn someone in for a red flag warning thing, and so he talks about how it ain't that easy. So I'll, here's a clip of that. You, you, yeah. you raised the red flag. Never talked about it publicly, but yeah. 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 People, can't, people who have never been through it cannot imagine like, what is required, yeah. like, what, it, what it demands of you personally. To get involved in a situation like that, to get law enforcement involved to the extent that's necessary, oftentimes to run afoul of the sentiments of your many family members, not merely the person who is directly involved, the actual jeopardy that it could potentially put you in because there is a dangerous person who, in that particular case, had actually already perpetrated acts of violence. It was just Mm -hmm. unknown to most people that this was the person who was responsible. Um, And in many respects, even talking about it now, it's not completely resolved. Hmm. Like, there is some peril that is still remaining. 
and this has been it's been four years yeah. Yeah. Um, actually more than four years um so if we were having sufficient twitter handle at anti-woke podcast and thanks for listening